Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. On today's episode, I'll be discussing what is the future of gas. And as a precursor, you may want to go back and listen to episode number 84, titled, Why Does the Price of Gas Go Up? That one came out last year. So as most of us can recall, when Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th of 2022, the price of oil began to soar and inflation was officially introduced to the world for the first time in the 21st century. Now, while the price of gas is often associated with inflation, believe it or not, it actually plays a pretty small role in sustained inflation. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the price of gas affects just 3.1% of the Consumer Price Index, or the CPI. So the real reason, you know, the kind of the foundation of this record inflation that we haven't witnessed in over 40 years, again, the bulk of it did come from the trillions of dollars of stimulus packages, enhanced unemployment, the rock bottom interest rates for a sustained period of time. Those were the things that created lasting inflation that the Fed is continuing to battle. But that first formal introduction that most people recognized and probably still associate inflation with is the price of gas. So if we just have a quick refresher, I know time flies and how quickly sometimes we can forget things, but last June, the average price of gas hit an all-time high of $5.03 per gallon. And at that time, the annual CPI increase reached 9.1% annually. All right, so think about that. Gas was costing us over five bucks a gallon. Today, as I produce this episode here in the beginning of August, the national average is 371 a gallon. So certainly that price has come down, which we all embrace that. But as the Fed continues to beat inflation into submission, you know, their latest 0.25% rate hike brought the Fed funds target rate to 5.25% to 5.5%. And as they've done that, they've continued their attack on inflation. The oil markets have stabilized. Uh, with the Russia-Ukraine war, unfortunately, dragging on longer than most of us initially expected. And so those neon signs that are on interstate highways, you know, to back roads that all of us see every single day advertising the price of gas, you know, down to the fraction of a penny and constantly updated, they've lost a little bit of their luster. So while gasoline, like I said, may have a small impact on sustained inflation, it is one of the most noted measures of inflation. We all see it every single day. And so that begs the question, what is the future of gas? And I'd also like to remind everyone as we delve into today's conversation, and we'll talk about how certain economies, particularly the OPEC countries, are starting to divest away from being so oil dependent as a source of revenue. You can learn a lot more about that in my new book called What Should I Do With My Money? If you look at the environment chapter, a lot of interesting insights in there. So be sure to check it out. So again, today we're going to dive into what is the future of gas. Uh, but before we get into the nitty gritty, I just like to remind everybody, please subscribe to this wherever you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube, tell a friend and please do leave us a review. Now, without further ado, what is the future of gas? Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. 
So as we begin to explore what is the future of gas, we first have to recognize the biggest contributing factors in the price of gasoline. And number one, without question, is the price of oil, particularly crude oil, uh, which is often measured by the WTI or the West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil Index. So coming out of the pandemic, the prices of crude oil settled at roughly $80 a barrel to end 2022. Then we followed up, you know, with the soaring prices of oil and gasoline after Russia invaded Ukraine. We all can remember that. But then actually at the end of 2023, the price of oil settled once again at about $80 a barrel to conclude last year. And then the price of oil dropped significantly at the beginning of this year. But as I produce this episode here in August of 2023, the price of oil has settled once again at, you guessed it, about $80 a barrel. So even with so many different global factors at play, you know, record inflation, we have the supply chain issues from the pandemic, Russia invading Ukraine, uh, China put an end to their zero COVID policy and effectively reopen their economy. In spite of all these different things going on, the past 18 months would suggest that that temporary volatility associated with oil is continually searching for some sort of homeostasis. And so that right there, that might explain why the price of gasoline actually plays such a small role. Again, 3.1% of the CPI, uh, so such a small role in sustained inflation but that volatility is what gives rise to, you know, being a big, big contributing factor to the month to month inflation reports. So you might be asking yourself now, you keep saying $80 a barrel. Again, that's where it ended 2022. That's where it ended 2023. That's about where we are right now. And a whole lot of stuff has happened in between. So why is that? So one of the big reasons why we've seen the price of uh, oil kind of reined in and then therefore the price of gasoline is U.S. production. So despite all of the Biden administration's clean energy efforts, U.S. production of oil is expected to hit an all-time high this year. All right, from 1950 to 2023, U.S. production averaged about 7.68 million barrels a day of oil. That number is expected to hit 13 million barrels per day later this year. Right, so we're seeing record production here out of America. And as such, we've been able to bring down the price of oil and then thereafter the price of gasoline. So according, you know, another interesting tidbit of trivia here that I think will explain how that's all possible is according to the Dallas Fed Energy Survey, when we look at the production of oil, the break-even price of WTI, again, West Texas Intermediate Oil, that exploration and production, or what are known as EMP firms, need to make so that existing wells, ones that are already drilling, continue to be profitable is about $37 per barrel. Okay, so if the price of oil is at 37 bucks a barrel or higher, then existing oil wells can actually continue to make a profit. And now if they say, well, you know what, we as a P&E firm, we wanna expand, we want to you know, open up new wells and drill for more oil. There's a lot of obvious costs that go along with you know, opening up a new well. The break-even for a new well, according to this survey, is about $62 per barrel. All right, so think about that, guys. If the price of oil is over 37 
existing wells in the ground are profitable. If the price of oil is over $62 a barrel, then it's profitable even to go expand and begin to drill new wells. All right. So if the price of oil, if you can stay with me here, continues to go back to about $80 a barrel, what that means is it's still very much profitable. And even with a healthy buffer in there uh, for all of these uh, exploration and production firms. So it's a lucrative business. And as a result, the global supply has been able to continually stay ahead of the global demand. All right. So again, it all comes back to supply and demand. You think about how the American economy reopened following the pandemic. Now, China had continued a much stricter policy for much longer. They've reopened. So people are starting to say, hey, it's all this demand is going to send the price of oil through the roof. We're going to start paying more at the pump again. But as we've seen, the supply has been able to keep up or even stay ahead of that uh, for much of the past 18 months. So as we talk about, well, then what exactly is the future of gas going to look like? It depends on where exactly you're evaluating it from. So as developed nations rapidly increase their electric vehicle infrastructures and EV sales continue to soar, uh, by the way, the U.S. is on track to break the 1 million mark of EVs sold this year. Uh, that's according to Wired.com. Um, so obviously, that's no surprise to anyone. We're going to see more and more EVs out there. And guess what? They don't take gasoline. So there's going to be less demand for oil in that respect. So that's where long-term demand for gas is expected to fall. I think we can all recognize that. But as mentioned earlier, with the break-even prices for new and existing wells being well below the current WTI oil price, supply can still stay high and not have to worry quite yet about not being able to turn a profit. So... Uh, while supply can stay high and, and barring, again, intervening government regulations, that's kind of the elephant in the room, whether that be here in America, if we decide that we want to put caps on opening new wells, uh, or if we want to limit production. And then certainly abroad, when we have the, uh, you know, the OPEC countries, the oil producing and exporting countries, they can certainly play with the supply that they're willing to release to the world. Uh, as Russia has effectively done for, you know, since the oil embargoes that were kind of forced into action after their invasion, these other geopolitical issues can have a big impact on supply and demand immediately. All right. So gas speculators can expect a continued long-term equilibrium price uh, that is low enough to appease consumer demands, yet high enough to satisfy the oil industry. Uh, with potential temporary shocks along the way that we've kind of gotten used to already. Again, if you want to learn more about that interplay between the governments and how much they want oil to be a part of their economy, definitely go check out the environment chapter of my new book, What Should I Do With My Money? And that'll dispel a lot of the myths or the rumors about what's good and what's not good about the oil industry and what the overall future would hold. All right, so I hope that that gave some context to what is the future of gas. I think uh, we're going to see a lot of things change here as we move more and more towards clean energy. Um, but for some of those countries still kind of clinging to the past, if you will, they are going to strike while the iron's hot and while they still can. And you'll see more and more of them divesting away into other aspects of the economy uh, to continue to generate revenue. But it's an interesting figure, an interesting takeaway that we've had this sort of 
equilibrium that I alluded to over the past couple of years. And, um, you know, I think that's ultimately what consumers around the world and what the American consumer wants is predictability. That's where, you know, shocks happen is when we see, hey, how come the price of gas went from 370 up to $5 last year? Uh, that affects everybody. And especially, you know, the middle to lower class individuals who are still traveling and their incomes maybe have not kept pace with that bit of inflation that we see, again, broadcast to the world everywhere up to the moment, uh, every single day on neon signs all around the globe. Uh, so gas, while it may be a great benchmark to look at for inflation, keep in mind, again, it's something that uh, has actually lagged overall inflation uh, over you know sustained periods of time, which is good, but we see shocks around gas. And no pun intending, that's what can be so shocking about it sometimes. So I hope that was helpful, gave you some context of what is the future of gas. Again, thanks for tuning in to the Kaderna podcast. I'm Brian Kaderna. I know this was a quick episode, but feel free to leave some commentary on it. You can email us at thekadernapodcast at gmail.com if you have any particular comments or questions. And keep on tuning in. We got some really exciting guests coming up here in the not too distant future. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.